In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you ever feel like time is just flying by? I mean, in a way, it's hard to believe that just two short weeks ago, we were celebrating Jesus' birth at Christmas. Just three days ago was the Feast of the Epiphany, where we still had the young child Jesus being acknowledged as holy by those three magi. Well, today we find ourselves doing a little ecclesiastical time travel. We fast forward about 30 years. Today, Jesus and his cousin John are now grown men. We don't really know what Jesus has been up to these past three decades, but we do know that John has been living his entire life as the prophet, the one who foretells the coming of the Holy One. As our gospel reminds us, the people who have heard John speak are filled with this joyful expectation. John's preaching of repentance and his pronouncement of the sinfulness of the people has had this galvanizing effect on those who had come to hear him. And John the Baptist, to remind you, doesn't pull any punches. If you remember in the gospel reading we heard in December, when those leading men showed up to hear his message, he called them a brood of vipers. I guess that's one way to win the hearts of the people. And while such preaching might be met with fear and with shame, but John the Baptist also combined his preaching with baptism. The meaning of baptism at the time of John was a ritual cleansing. It did not serve to wash away sins or some past event, but indicated someone's desire to live a purer life. Baptism was also a ritual anointing, a setting apart of someone. John urged his followers to be baptized to prepare themselves for this coming of the kingdom of God. And that's why even though his preaching can be a little bit on the scary side, the people are nonetheless filled with joyful expectation. And then one day, Jesus himself takes his place in that long line at the River Jordan. Other gospel versions of this story show John protesting the idea that he, this lowly prophet, should baptize Jesus. But we don't really hear that protest in Luke's gospel. And interestingly enough, we also don't get any description of Jesus' actual baptism. Instead, it takes place offstage, almost as a matter of fact. In Luke's story that we hear this morning, after Jesus is baptized, Jesus prays. And now Jesus' prayers are often the openings to these incredible revelations. And this is one of the hallmarks of Luke's gospel. This is the first of many incidents of prayer leading to an important crossroads or a dramatic event in Jesus' life. Here, Jesus' prayer results in the literal pulling apart of the division between heaven and earth. 
and results in God's own praise and acknowledgement of Jesus as God's son. This miraculous scene should serve as a reminder for all of us about the power of prayer, even in our own lives, and the importance of talking to and listening to God. For Jesus, the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit is released to guide Jesus in his ministry. Just think when we pray, we also enter into that sacred space between heaven and earth. It's pretty amazing. For us, baptism is emphasized as the initiation ritual for entering Christ's one holy universal church. Especially since most of the baptisms we see in the Episcopal Church are infant baptisms, the emphasis is not usually placed on baptism being a way to wash away one's sins. We emphasize the action that washes away our sins instead is true repentance, turning away from our sins, making a point to live deliberately, to choose that path that leads to God and to righteous living. Yet there's still some parts of the Christian church where baptism is purely an act that washes away past sins. And so a question then arises. If Jesus is without sin, why does Jesus need to be baptized? Surely he has nothing to repent for. Well, one way to think about it is that since Jesus grew up in a Jewish household with Jewish customs, perhaps Jesus is seeking a mikvah, a ritual immersion in Judaism that's used for consecration. Mikvahs established ritual purity. And although mikvahs were used after coming into contact with uncleanliness or illnesses, they were also used to purify and consecrate temple priests. Christ, after all, means anointed one. You see, for Luke, Jesus' baptism itself doesn't have anything to do with the past. And as we said, we don't even read about his actual baptism. Jesus shares it with others, and in fact, he's baptized only after everyone else had gone before him. In his baptism, Jesus is not so much set apart in Luke's story, but he is, without a doubt, anointed and publicly charged to take up the full ministry he has come among us to do, to reconcile us, to reveal who God is to us in a way that we can understand, and to show us how to live our lives to the full potential of our humanity, which is God's dream for us all along, a dream that we do often fall short of, but a dream that God still has for us, and to which God calls us to return again and again. Jesus comes among us to reveal how to fully embody and claim our humanity, one made in the image of God, remind you. In Luke's story, 
we are reminded that Jesus is both God's son and one of us. In taking his place among others as part of that group being baptized, Jesus reminds us of his solidarity with us and his experiencing of everything that we experience. We are called to the imitation of Christ in all our ways. Through baptism, through imitation of Christ, through prayer to strengthen us in our own path of discipleship. We know that we too have heard a voice calling us, you are my child, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. With these words, God claims Jesus publicly as God's son and inaugurates his public ministry in us and among us. So sisters and brothers, as we renew our baptismal covenant in just a few minutes, I ask that you remember your own baptism. Remember that you are claimed and loved by God. Remember that God promises never to leave you defenseless or alone. From Isaiah, we hear a reminder of God's enduring love and faithfulness. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God calls all of us God's children. And what a wonderful reminder that truly is. In this epiphany season, as we discover Jesus in new and amazing ways, may we continue to open the eyes of our hearts to see the signs of God's love and faithfulness all around us. The wonders of God's creation ongoing within us, calling us to a renewal and a deeper devotion as disciples and as witnesses. May we hear within our heart God's calling us and claiming us as God's children. And may God continue to empower our own ministry of revealing that wonder to the whole world. <laughs>